Coming at you from sunny Los Angeles, California, here in Handsome Headquarters, I'm Lee Sanger-Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined in studio by my illustrious co-host, Ben. Ben, you're talking on the internet. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Lee. Uh, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we have talked on the internet together. It has. And what a lot happened? Has, well, a lot has happened. Uh, we, we did have a plan. You're very close by uh, a, a wonderful uh, thrift store uh, that I purchased many uh, an item at uh, called St. Vincent de Paul. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wanted to do, I've always wanted to do one of those things where, uh, you know, it's like a, a book and it looks like a Bible or whatever. And then you open it up. And a book that looks like a Bible. Well, like a book like the Bible. Could yeah. Be a Bi- like you know, it. something that seems like really... Like a skin cover, not sure. leather. Well, Human something that seems skin. like really wholesome. Like, yeah. Oh, there's there couldn't possibly be anything bad about this book. Hmm. But then you open it up and it's like there's a... It's carved out and there's like a fucking knife or hmm. like a, a microfiche of... Microfiche. Yeah. There's like, you know, some evidence that... Uh, 9-11 was an alien job, was an outside job by aliens, you know, something cool like that. Or maybe just putting a drug of some kind, mm-hmm. putting a pot in there. And it's like whatever. the picture of the alien on the Lolita Express playing uh-huh. cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With all the past presidents. <laughs> this is Jeffrey Epstein and like one of those. Jepstein. Jepstein. One of those, and then one of those like gray skinned guys with the big, big black eyes. Those alien guys. Um, okay. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I, want, I wanted to make one of those. So I, I figured, oh, I could get. I could get a book by someone I don't like and don't respect for 50 cents at the St. Vincent de Paul thrift shop and, uh, and carve it out. And, and I didn't know what I want to put in there. I was going to put like a knife or something cool in there. Maybe another smaller book just with the <laughs> multiple little <laughs> Russian doll style books. <laughs> yeah, just book inside book. that, like just inside have a copy of the Communist Manifesto. Oh, yeah. So did you find a book when you went? I did. So I found Waging Peace mm. by former... Uh, president of the United States, two-time, two-term president of the United States, um, Dwight Ike Eisenhower. Never heard of him. Oh, well, he was, he, he falls in the line of, and it's it's kind of, we haven't seen this in a long time, that I call them the war presidents. And, and it was started with um, George Washington and continued with uh, President Ulysses S. Grant. And the last time we saw one of these was um, President Eisenhower, which is basically this person who is a general and by saving the nation in some type of uh, large, all-encompassing conflict, you know, in the case of George Washington, the Revolutionary War, in the case of Grant, the the Civil War uh, of Northern Aggression, (laughs) the Civil War of of French Aggression. No, 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 of course uh, not. and then, of course, uh, uh, Ike in World War II. And so they gained the trust of the nation by uh, by saving us and then sort of used that to propel themselves into mm, the... The savior complex. The highest office of the land, right. So Made a th- couple decisions, ended up getting lucky and said, hey, I saved yeah. all of you. Right. So, you know, I'm always uh, of two minds about Ike because I uh, despise the Republican Party um, but more than that, also despised the Nazi party. So uh, mm. <laughs> he managed to uh, to just defeat the Nazis. Uh, so, you know, I don't have too much hate for Ike. Um, you could but, get on the same side as that guy. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a famous quote. Uh, I, I don't know who it is attributed to, but they say they said uh, Eisenhower is not a Republican. He's a golfer. 
I always <laughs> like that. Anyway, so I found a copy of his book, Waging Peace, and it was 50 cents. It's big, big old tome. And um, it was actually like a beautiful book. And it, it has one of my favorite things in a, in a book, which is when you open it and there's like a, a cool map of some shit like in the binding. Oh, yeah. And there was just like a map of how he defeated Nazis. And I was like, ah, yeah, like I don't really want to fuck this book up. But it's just so cool to like on my bookshelf just have a copy of Waging Peace and I mean, then you, you open it up and there's like a knife inside. You'll still get the gist of it because you got to think you're going to cut yeah. like the middle two thirds. Yes. But like on every given page, you can see it one third of the words on the page and I'm sure you could ascertain what's going on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Alone, you know? Yeah. During World War II, knife, I saw that there was a lot of knife. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I read all of these instructions. Like ad libs. <laughs> yeah, a mad lib. Like, and it's just all knife. For yeah. fill in the blank, you're like, uh, I think you need to go see somebody. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I read all these instructions online of, of how to do it and all of these detailed instructions. And uh, I have this thing that, like, I'll look up instructions or recipes and then I'll follow it very exact for, like, the first couple of steps and then kind of just go, ah, fuck it, and start mm-hmm. to sort of rush through it. So, you know, the thing you're supposed to do is glue the outside of the, the tome. Mm-hmm. And then you, well, actually, first you glue the first 30 pages together, and then you glue the sides, and Mm. then you carve it out. Um, I got a little overzealous with the glue. What kind of glue did you use? Just uh, like an Elmer's glue. Okay. Not like two-ton epoxy or something. No, no, no. Not the two-part stuff. No, no, no. It it was what was recommended, uh, is to use like a standard, you know, classroom glue. But I got a little overzealous. And uh, I put all the glue on, and uh, and then I put it under some some free weights to uh, hold it together for a couple of days. <laughs> but then <laughs> when I picked it up, uh, it, it was it was just the whole book was stuck together. And uh, I so I just basically had a, a Eisenhower book shaped brick, and so um, nice. I desecrated a book, uh, wasted fifty cents, um, and uh, ruined the cool map inside, and. Um, yeah, now I just have like a brick of a book that I don't know what I'm going to do with. And I and I, I bring this up, Ben, because I think it is indicative of our politics now is that uh, we are now more than ever um, glued together as a nation in terms of the way that uh, the Electoral College and all of the gerrymandering sort of uh, makes the rural and urban areas of the United States sort of bonded together in this sort of unholy matrimony. Um, but because of that, we are a worthless brick, and none of the knowledge um, can be um, can be Extract. extracted. Yeah. So interesting. I was also going to say we were talking about war presidents, and for some reason, my my mind went to grammar. You said it was, uh, which is passive voice, mm-hmm. and it doesn't attribute anything to anyone. So in this realm, I was thinking also about we were talking about surveillance earlier. We we know about McCarthyism, naming names, and that's. Sure you know, just one point in, in many in history where people had to name names with a lot of the, where people sign themselves up to be surveilled either with their phone or ring or what have you, they're implicitly or indirectly naming names. So I think on this show, we need to stop using the passive voice and start naming names. Okay. Like I want to know, I don't want to hear that it was stuck together. I want you to tell me who did it and where they are. I stuck that Oh, thing you. together. I oh. stuck it together with Elmer's glue I bought at the hi-ho market across the street. Well, the next Hanson time someone else did it, I want you to name names. Mm. 
Okay. I don't want any of this. I'm going to name names, even though I don't know them. Um, across the, the street from Handsome Headquarters, a um, some company has moved in, and they have a bunch of Emmy Awards. What? On the shelf. So uh, I don't know who <clears throat> these people are, and uh, but I, I want to find out what this production company is and, and start a rivalry well this is a production company not an individual who's won a bunch of emmys i don't i see a lot of young people going in there now so i don't know who these people are but i want to start a rivalry between this emmy award winning uh either staff of writers let's do a stakeout <laughs> just sit outside like they do in the movies you know like yeah. just park outside for like four days <laughs> so it's like of, where do you go to the bathroom but anyway who cares let's I, you know it. i think that's a great idea i can see i can actually see it from the window of Handsome Headquarters, but I think it would be good to just park in my car outside mm-hmm. the studio and, and still look in. That seems It would be great, but you got the, I think this is a huge benefit of a hyperactive imagination. Like, I could see myself, I'd park out there, be like, all right, I'm going to stay here for four days. A good, like, 10, 20 minutes into yeah. it, I'd be like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm going to leave. I'm going to make up whatever I want about what I saw, and I don't have to sit here for four fucking days. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. So I would be terrible at that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I actually did a stakeout. We're getting a little off track here, but I'll tell you. Oh, are we? Let's get back on track. Okay. Let's do it. Let's, I'll tell you the story about it. Folks, I'm going to tease this up, but later I'll tell the story about the stakeout of Terry Barling. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Let's just say that there was a stolen car, a $40,000 tip, and a runaway robbery. But me and my pal solved it. So you'll hear about that later. The so, right way. So anyway, yeah, back to uh, the glued together book of American politics. We're Ooh. right now in the primary season of uh, of uh, the 2020 uh, presidential race. So technically, there is a Republican primary and a Democratic primary occurring, although many of the states, um, their local RNC, whatever's, <clears throat> have canceled their primaries. But wow. I believe Bill Weld is the only... There might be a couple others, but he's the only sort of nationally sort of known um, Republican that is challenging the, the incumbent. Uh, he's somewhat president. of an insurgent. He's a libertarian. He, he was Bill a Welt. libertarian. He was a, was yes. he the vice president candidate last election season? He was on the bottom years? of the ticket. Um, uh, under Someone's got to hold Johnson. up the foundation, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I but think yeah, he's, he's going for it. I don't agree with him on most topics, but I, I you know, I, I think he's a, a decent man for the most part. But yeah, um, it was funny during the 2016 uh, um, election, um, when asked to name uh, who Bill Weld, Weld was, Gary Johnson said, What's Bill Weld? <laughs> no, that's just, a, that, that's just a little joke. The little what is Aleppo joke. Oh, I thought it was a Jeopardy joke. No. Yeah, well, we all know Jeopardy's hilarious. So anyway, the primary. Yeah, and it's interesting because we think of like uh, the Democrats and the Republicans as like somehow constitutionally set up I- exactly the same, but there's nothing in the Constitution about <clears throat> parties, and the parties decide their own rules. And I think that by comparing the current, um, uh, or comparing uh, the current Democratic primary to the 2016 primary, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Bernard is the." He's the Trump type guy, uh, and you know the populist, and you know he's uh, he's just doing exactly to uh, the Democratic Party what Trump did to the Republican Party, etc. But there's a couple of key differences that I wanted to point out that make it a, a little bit different, well, a lot bit different actually. So um, first of all, the Republicans don't have these super delegates, right, which are basically party insiders 
that um, are not selected by any form of democratic process who can, um, at the con- second round at the convention, can vote, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. The Democrats do have those. So those folks, if someone doesn't have a clear path to the nomination before the... Um, uh, 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 before the um, convention, these delegates could potentially, these superdelegates could potentially give the nomination to the person who does not have the plurality or majority of votes. Um, and, uh, or delegates, for that matter. <clears throat> and only Bernard on the Democratic side has pledged <laughs> that whomever has the most votes and delegates at the convention should be the nominee. All of the other nominees have not pledged mm-hmm. that they will follow what the Democratic <laughs> selection is of the Democratic Party. So that's one distinction. The other is that the, de- the Democratic Party doesn't really have any uh, winner-takes-all sort of contests, uh, whereas the, the, the Republican primaries generally have a lot of primaries where basically whomever has the slimmest of plurality of votes walks away with all the delegates. And so... My man Bernard is in a similar situation that um, that uh, uh, El Trompo was in in 2016, which is that he's sort of eke, uh, he he basically had a dead draw with um, with uh, Pete Buttigieg in the uh, the Iowa caucus, although the, it's a tie, uh, even though uh, Buttigieg had a slight um, slight more votes or something or like more. It was by precincts. Yeah, more precincts went to him, but like Bernie still won the popular vote, and they had the same number of delegates. So anyway, I would say Bernie won that one, but let's call it a draw. Um, and in New Hampshire, Bernie eked out a plurality as well. Um, and uh, But then all of the other delegates get distributed sort of equally between the other people that placed after him. Um Whereas in Trump was sort of doing similar, similarly in the in in the early uh, primaries um, in 2016, but since a lot of them were winner take all, these slim pluralities got him all of the delegates, which meant he could get to the convention without really any um, any threat of you know um, contesting contesting. So um, that's sort of where we're at right now. Um, we've just had, yeah. One other thought. Yeah. Uh, and well, so, Ben, what to it? Yeah. So, that's where we're at with the primaries. Um, ben, what are your sort of thoughts as we move uh, uh, into Nevada uh, this, this weekend, tomorrow, down to South Carolina? We're going to start to see some more um, diverse electorate having their say at the polls um, and, uh, you know, charging up to, to Super Tuesday. Uh, what are your sort of thoughts about the uh, nominating process so far? Well, well, I could, if I could, I'd like to just make a couple observations about the last debate. I don't really like sure. trying to prophesize or I never really liked horse racing. That This much. is the Nevada debate. Yes. The yeah. one that happened uh, a couple, couple of days, days ago. ago. I guess it's true. People have no idea what day we're recording this. Huh? So it's four, it's April 20th, 1969. That's awesome. <laughs> I woke up yesterday. It was my mom there. I won't even want to say it. It's a, so anyway, anyway um, keep going. So, yeah, I was watching the debate, and there were two thoughts that came to mind. One was, so many years ago, so I worked with a, an applied and theoretical economist for many years at Berkeley, and I always find myself reading these papers, and I, I found one many years ago by an economist who was pointing out that when 
we have conversations about something where we call it economics or something having to do with the economy, quote unquote, that in both business and politics and a lot of the political discussion is driven by the business interests behind certain candidates that are keeping those taglines going. They were saying that in our day and age, a lot of the way that economics is talked about in public policy or public debate forums is still this old economics from the 60s and 70s. And they said it's very damaging to helping people understand how things actually work, especially when it comes to setting priorities on how setting the priorities of, of where, how, what money is created to do. Because so, and what that means is basically two things. One is that the way we talk about, for instance, healthcare is an example. We always talk about, well, how are we going to pay for it? Which is a question you ask on what you call like a household budget. But the government is not a household. They don't have to like sure. balance their books in the same way. They have the power of, um, well, through the Federal Reserve, but we have the Treasury, which we underutilize. Yeah. The ability to actually create money, which is created when enough people say we want to do this. A family can't change interest rates and print money. Exactly. And so a huge, so if enough people say they want something and you create money for it, it means it's encompassing collective value. Mm. And so things happen. And so there's always this, uh, and it does incredible damage. And even Buttigieg is doing it. Yeah. You, you know, you would expect obviously Bloomberg and Biden, um, at least Klobuchar and Warren don't really do it, which is nice. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is you have these kind of false, like Bernie's talking about it as something like, this is a collective thing that we want to do. The people say we want to do it, so let's do it. And they're like, well, how are we going to pay for it? And then it's the second part is Biden goes a step further where he minces and mingles numbers and figures, both in terms of time scale and just uh, what he's talking about. So when he's talking about something for him, he'll say, oh, it only costs $800 billion over 10 years. But when he's talking about something he doesn't like, which is, say, the Medicare for all, he'll say it costs $30 trillion. Yeah. He doesn't say that's over 10 years, and he doesn't say it's compared to an estimate of our current approach costing $55 trillion. Right. So he completely distorts it, and it makes it very difficult for people to understand what's going on, and it creates divisiveness, in this mm. case within a party, that's completely unnecessary and is incredibly damaging, not only to whoever ends up winning the ticket, yeah. but also just dialogue in general. And it's partly just how that's talked about. Um, and the other thing is just this whole... Uh, it's just like there. It's just like this really like that that bashingness, this uh, this div unnecessary divisiveness, which is sure. created where people keep blaming Bernie. But the thing is that they're making it uh, seem like something exists that doesn't exist, and they're right. making it exist by talking about it. Because the more, if you keep hearing something over and over again, you believe there must be some element of truth. That's what like cognitive science has showed us. That was the Republican approach to Hillary and many others were just say things over and over again, even if they're lies. And after 10 <laughs> right. or 20 years, people believe like maybe there's at least a little bit of truth to this, even if it's completely made up from the get go. Right. And so it's like and they're kind of using that try and just makes it very. I don't know. It just it just leaves me feeling very not really depressed, but just like, yeah, it, it's just it's just really bad. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I'm seeing this, the media bias, uh, more starkly than I even did in 2016 on, uh, on both sides. It's funny. The Republicans, like <laughs> Republicans seem to be, uh, cover or I'm sorry, 
uh, Fox News seems to be covering uh, Bernie Sanders uh, in a more fair light than MSNBC. It's insane. And yeah. MSNBC or even is, New York Times, like some of their stuff they're putting out. It's, it's like, insane. Uh, whatever your feelings, you know, it's it's crazy because like yeah. MSNBC has completely abdicated their um, their position as the quote left wing liberal corporate news. I mean, it's just proven itself to be total. It's nonsense. Using a lot of commas and words. Basically. Yeah, and it makes thinking about the way they covered uh, Trump in 2016, which was like gave him so much mil- tens of millions of dollars of free airtime and all of the attention they 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 ran all of his rallies even the ones that they didn't run live uh they uh you know would play clips and stuff and uh it was and now in retrospect seems very clear that the moderate and supposedly left of center uh uh corporate news wanted trump to get the nomination because they thought that he would be the easiest candidate for for Hillary to beat. When, Mm. in fact, he proved to be the only candidate who could beat Hillary, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. Um, And I see that the same, the way that they're covering uh, uh, Bernard is, it's so clear with the, the way that they're like not giving him enough press time or they're saying ridiculous things like, Bernie is not the front runner. The moderates are. I mean, just like oh, yeah. headlines that are just like that are just like just like the Fox News headlines are about liberal people are just like in a another reality. They're living in another reality where they're not looking at the polling numbers that show Bernard just beating Trump all over the place. Mm-hmm. Or they're, one thing I've noticed too. I've taken some screenshots. Uh, it was. I know one of them was in the New York Times. One of them might have been CNN, where they're showing the results, but they'll put Buddha Judge's face first, and yes. then Bernie. But then Bernie actually got more delegates and yes. votes. But it's like that's, and it's like I don't. Maybe that was an error, but there's so many, uh, so much else going on. You're like, this is, uh, you know, I don't want to see conspiracy, but it's like it's not really an error when it goes to your talking points too. Like, why yeah. are you doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was the funny thing about about Trump is uh, sort of a counterpoint in. Uh, additional supportive point of what you're saying earlier about repeating a lie uh, until it becomes at least somewhat perceived as partly true mm-hmm. is that um, or something worth looking into something worth looking into we're looking into it we'll see um donald go away uh, and uh, what the fuck? I don't know. He's always he must have like come through the cracks in my wall know, or something. So weird. It's like a little mouse weirdo. Uh, it... Wow. Anyway, uh, something that demagogues do all the time, which is say one truthful thing and then a thousand untruths. And then those because the first thing is truthful, the other truths, Mm -hmm. the other falsities kind of get lumped in with that. The inverse is also true as well. But um, Trump basically said, you know, the media is biased and elections are rigged. And he was right about that and lied about every single thing else. Ironically, he was saying he, he knew he, was, he thought rather he was going to lose. So he kept saying before the election 2016, oh, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. And of course, it is rigged. It's rigged for the Republicans, showing that the two, the last two Republican presidents came into office without winning the popular vote. But as I like to say to the people who go, Hillary won the popular vote, an L is still an L on the board. But let's talk about someone who uh, not only won the popular vote <laughs> both times, uh, but also um, in this season where we have an incumbent president 
uh, uh, fighting for his Ross life. Ross Perot? <laughs> no. Is he, is he dead? I don't know. He might be like 96. <laughs> yeah. We should bring him on. Uh, that would be cool. I'll give him a call. Yeah. Um, or, or Dana Carvey. Bring him on to do Ross Perot. Oh, Perot's. yeah. That was yeah. good. Anyway. Uh, well, someone who uh, in this primary season on the Democratic side and in this uh, incumbent season uh, for the Republicans, let's bring in someone who has won a primary. Mm. And has also uh, won a uh, won a second term as an incumbent president. So uh, we'll tease it out a little bit, but we'll be right back with a very special guest in studio who's going to help us talk on the internet. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back uh, to talk on the internet. Um, the guest you've all been waiting for. I think you probably could have guessed who it is. Um, actually, I guess we do bring guests back who are both alive and, according to obituaries, described as dead, even though we know that they're not. Uh-huh. So maybe you wouldn't have known, but um, uh, not sure yeah. if you heard that. Uh, you can hear him in the background. I don't think I even need to introduce him. You probably already know who it is. Do you uh, want to say a couple words? Uh, look, uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be here. In Handsome Headquarters. Uh, I, I, I've been on the show uh, many a time, uh, back when it was Morning Handsome, uh, and also uh, Liberal Guilt Radio. I've been on the show many a time, and uh, it, it's good to be back. Could you could you say your name, please? Barack Hussein in the membrane, Obama. Welcome. You're a... Were you a hip-hop artist? Is that how we know you? Uh, No. I was you president. said insane. You said Hussein, insane in the membrane. Well, I'm cool now. I'm, oh. a, I'm a cool dad. Uh, look, I, you know, I, me, me and Michelle uh, are living up, living our best life, as uh, as Sasha and Malia like to say. Uh, uh, I got my dad bond, and I got my dad jokes. I'm hanging out with my billionaire friends, and we're skydiving and bungee jumping and surfing uh, and, and turfing. Could and, I ask? So with your billionaire friends... Uh-huh. How often do they talk about and jostle on who's going to be the first trillionaire? Because I know that a lot of them have got to be trying. Uh, look, I did my best to, to make a trillionaire. Uh, you did? I did. Uh, and, and look, um, they talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's, uh, folks, it, it's one of the toughest things to do. Because it's lonely at the top. Mm, I bet. Mm-hmm. I, I've been at the top. And it's is lonely as shit up there. And uh, uh, the billionaires, uh, you know, they have a tough time. Uh, yeah, let's. They it's real tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, I'm the coolest president since JFK. And uh, cool guys will always be cool with the the, the poor folks uh, and the rich kids, and and that's what makes me, you know, our coolest president. Okay. I, I, I so, say that too. Yeah. At least modern. I don't know many of the uh, other ones. Yeah. But I'm guessing you probably are the coolest president ever. Yeah. I mean, look. Uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was dope as shit too. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, he's a better horse rider than me. I'm a mm. better windsurfer all right, than, than, than T.D. Uh, T.D. Burt, as we like to call him. Uh, but uh, he's a better horseback rider. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, unlike you know George Bush who said, you know, in history, we'll all be dead, you know, and didn't have any regrets uh, about his presidency. You know, there's a few things that I could have done better. Uh, 
You know, we stayed in Afghanistan. Uh, uh, Guantanamo was still, uh, uh, still open when I left office. And uh, uh, look, you know, there are still a lot of problems. Uh, but my biggest failure is that I failed to create a trillionaire. Hmm. And I tried my best. You never said that before in any other interview. This is a recent revelation you've had. Uh, well, look, um, I've had a lot of time to think and reconsider my legacy. You know, as this dude, uh, Trump, tries to undo my legacy, uh, it's got me thinking a lot about what it is I did and what it is I didn't do, especially during primary season. I mean, look, uh, and incumbent season, you know, like Lee was saying earlier, and I've been through both of these. I've been on both sides. I know what it's like to, to fight for my life uh, in a primary. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like to, you know, have to debate someone like Mitt Romney, you know. So, yeah, what's really going on right now in the primary? Oh, look. Um, you know, the misconception was that there was some kind of, you know, broad coalition on the, uh, on the left in the United States. And uh, most people just figured, uh, look, there are more young people uh, than ever before. And there's more, uh, uh, there's a more diverse population uh, voting. Uh, although the, 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 uh, the Republicans are still doing their best to, to suppress the votes, especially of, of folks of color. Uh, but they sort of figured that this wave of demographics uh, was going to, 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 even though we were losing at the statehouse level, even though we were, uh, losing in, in Congress that somehow we would be able to, uh, to hang on to the, the presidency. Uh, and there was a fundamental uh, misunderstanding. There was not really a voting block coalition uh, for my presidency. I was just cool. So young people were wanting to vote for me, okay? Uh, the older baby boomer sort of hippie types, they, you know, they, they saw in me, you know, something like a, 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 a Kennedy uh, that sort of excited them and talking about hope and dreams and change. So you know, we got them. And, uh, you know, and then there was also folks who had never seen a, a candidate for president who, who looked like them, who had a similar experience to them. Uh, and, uh, and that was really, it wasn't a political coalition, okay? Uh, it was a, a, a personal, a, a cult of personality coalition. And there just really isn't anybody like that. Hillary had, you know, God bless her. Uh, Hill had a, a strong uh, support base uh, to a certain extent. But she sort of failed to bring in, uh, you know, moderate folks and, uh, and, and, and the younger people and people of color. And uh, we're really not seeing a candidate like that. Although I will say uh, Bernard does have the most passionate supporters. Uh, and, you know, there's all this shit about Bernard's people trolling and, uh, you know, saying, oh, they're mean and da, da, da. I, I don't think so, Ben. They're not mean. They're mad. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's also not exclusive. I think there's probably people that support every single candidate running on both parties uh-huh. that there's some people that do this behavior. Look, if you. So. There's always going to be jackasses. You exactly. know what I mean? And they're not going to represent who you are. People mm-hmm. who I didn't support, support me. That, that's the name of the game. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't choose who's on. You can choose who's on your team, but you can't choose who's rooting for you. you know? But like what you said is very true. Uh, 
Should I call you Barack? Should I call you Obama? Should I call Barry. you Hussein? Barry. <laughs> so Barry, it, what you said though about people being mad. Yeah, and, they're not. And, and they're not mean. They're mad. So it's about really speaking to that, and each candidate really trying to understand what's driving it and what we can do to sure. change it. It's not all just about money. It's also about power. It's about privilege. It's about respect. But it's really about those first wealth, power, and privilege. Exactly. So a candidate saying, oh, I'm going to do this to redo taxes or whatever, but not really give any mechanism for just say normal people like you and me and many others to I, have more of a say. I'm not a normal person. You're not. <laughs> I, I was talking about my my co-host Lee. You are not a normal person. I'm a dude uh, from Hawaii uh, who had a cup of coffee in the Senate uh, and uh, uh, became president. Um. And uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a normal guy. So do you like making? But I'm very handsome. Predictions but anyways, about what's going to happen, or, or... I, I will in a moment here. Okay. But, you know, going back to the mad versus mean. If if you walk down the street and someone sees the way you look, and they 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 yell at you, they're mean. If you walk down the street, you punch a guy in the face, steal his car, take his job, and put him in jail for smoking marijuana, and he yells at you. He's not mean. He's mad. Mm. So, yeah, you want to talk predictions? Uh, if you, Only if you do. I really want you to lead this. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the next Star Wars movie will go back in time. I think they're going to do a prequel oh. in sort of old-time old Jedi times. Uh, and, you know, they've been teasing it out in comics. And uh, I, I think we're going to do that. So that's my prediction. And what about, do you think, because I know uh, Trump Trumpowitz right now in, in office is pretty unhappy about the winner of the Oscar, the Parasite. So is there going to be another movie? Um, That's like right. A, I'm very a, a upset sequel? about this. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, welcome. Uh, hello. Uh, yeah, uh, he came with me, actually. We've been hanging out for a while. Do you drive around in Jerry Seinfeld's car and ride around and have That's right. We, we drive around, okay, in Jerry Seinfeld's car. Does Jay Leno ever? Do you guys do car uh, No, swaps? not Jay Leno. Just uh, Jerry. No, but uh, James... What's uh, what the hell's his name? James Corden, James Corden. So we do karaoke in cars with presidents drinking uh, coffee. What's your favorite song to sing? Uh, I mean, my favorite song is uh, "Hooked on a Feeling." Oh yeah, that's a good. Should one. we do it? Should we do it? Let's do it. Let's okay, do it. here we go. Ooga chaka, ooga chaka, ooga chaka. I can't stop this feeling. Uh, look deep, deep in. inside of me. Uh, girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me, okay, in your arms so tight, you let me know, okay, everything's all right. Ah, I'm hooked on a feeling, uh, folks. I'm high in believing that you're in love with me. That was quite impressive. That's a, quite a duet. We have it recorded, and I think we could just put that right on an LP and get it out there, huh? Well, I do have an exclusive uh, recording deal. With uh, with the director of Parasite, I heard, for the sequel? With the director of Parasite, that's right. Uh, yeah, I heard that you, uh, one of your rallies, uh, your ra- <laughs> one of your rallies uh, said, uh, said something about Parasite. Yeah, I said that, you know, what was that? And that we should bring back Gone with the Wind. Yeah, could you? I, that didn't make any sense to me. Could you give some... Yeah, and this is Lee here. I'm going to hop in on this one, too, uh, because uh, 
The Other Wind, I think, already won the Oscar. That's what I, yeah. Uh, yeah, it won the Oscar in, in uh, 1939. Yeah, 1939. So I, I don't really... It already won, so I don't. I think there might be some sort of double jeopardy rule. Also, it's from uh, uh, nineteen thirty nine, and it is now two thousand twenty. Yes, I know it's two thousand twenty. Uh, but look, I think that as a movie about a white woman who loses uh, her staff, so to speak, and her estate. Uh, and is very angry, very angry, you know, very angry, historically angry, uh, fantastically angry. And I think she represents uh, Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler, okay, represent what white Americans are going through now. Okay, and how does, what does that have to do with Parasite? I don't think it has anything to do with it, but, you know, this guy over here is a jackass. All right, Barry, it has a lot to do with it, okay? Because it's about, you know, Parasite's about class warfare. You got people in Korea, the great nation of South Korea, uh, our allies, our staunch allies against Kim, Kimchi, Bongtok. Uh, just before you keep going, Trump, if you're going to stay, do you want me to get a chair so you don't have to sit on Barry's lap anymore? No, I like it. It's, okay, I'll let you It's a great that. lap, fantastic lap. Uh, yeah, I'm frankly uncomfortable, but, you know, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Uh, so, I'm gonna, whatever. I'm just going to get a third chair. I'll be right yeah, back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ben, uh, ben is grabbing a chair, and uh, I am just sitting here looking at there. Our morbidly obese president sitting on the lap of uh, of Barack Obama. All right, um, we don't really have room okay. for another. Anyway, let just all right. Let's just. All right, I'm sitting. Okay, are you happy? Are you happy? Not not per- a little uncomfortable still, but you know, uh, you've just moved just to sit it. on on his lap. Now you're sitting on Ben's lap, but you got your feet up on Lee's uh, okay. lap. Just can we? Uh, you want I me mean, to? I could just move over here. I'd like us just to, for a moment to okay. just get. That. We were talking about parasites. Yeah, I think we were talking and about parasites. And I really still have no idea what that has to do with Well, look, you know, and um, I really want you to explain Kimchi Bongtok, okay, our no, great enemy. His name is Director Bong, he goes by. Let's just call him that. Uh, yeah, right. I, th- I think so. Jesus, this guy is racist as shit. He's like it's, a. It's ridiculous. It's like a combination of. Ra- it's rupidity. It's racist stupidity. It's, Actually, it's uh, called stasism. Okay, it's stupid racism. Okay, so you get also, it right or pay the price. All right. So anyway, uh, the great leaders of South Korea are staunch allies against whatever. Uh, they're living in basements. All right, deep basements, very small basements, and there's rich people that they're trying to trick or something. I think is what the movie is about. Okay. And uh, it's, it's a really fantastic picture, but I don't know what it is there. It's not directed by a white person. And I do not think it should be eligible for an Oscar. Uh, but you think that a movie from 1939 that has already won the Oscar for best picture is eligible. That's right. It's rigged folks. It's rigged. The Oscars are rigged, ridiculously rigged. And I've had enough of this. So if you remain, uh, just before you go, just one last question. All right, one last question. If you remain president until you die at the age of 130, would you at some point change it so that the Oscars are just decided by you and you alone? 
Yes, that's that's what we're All right, Thank you for coming on the show today. Well, let's get back to Barry. Thanks, Trump. Yeah, just let yourself Yeah, thank, thanks, oh, thanks Donald. Jesus. I fucking hate that guy. Dude, he comes, he comes by the studio whenever he wants. I just know. He's somehow still more likable than most politicians. Because he kind of like he shuffles he's funny. around. He's funny. But in the most way where afterward you feel just absolutely ter- about, terrible about yourself for right. finding it. Like, that lo- if there wasn't so many Supreme Court justices, you know, and, and so many kids locked up in Walmarts at the Mexican border, this would all be fucking hilarious. Yeah, uh, but, but it's, it's not. not. He's not a stand-up comedian. He's got himself and hundreds of thousands of people yeah. in the scene, behind the scenes, working. <laughs> what if he was a stand-up agenda. comedian? That That's what I'm saying. In that case, it's funny because it just... Hey, you know, Trump, get back in here. Yeah, what is it? What is it? I want you to do some uh, Mitch Hedberg jokes as as you. All right. It's, okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, let's do. Uh, which one should I do? Uh, do the one about um, the ant farm. All right. Fine. I had an ant farm once. Them fellas didn't grow shit. Yeah, he's actually less funny as yeah. a comedian. <laughs> All right. One more. Relationships no. are like pancakes. All exciting at first, and then you're fucking sick of them. Okay. This, okay. You can go Those now. Those are terrible. They're not right, actually funny. I'll see you guys later. No, no, no. Hopefully not, but anyway. Is it? Is it? This is how to go? Okay. Yeah, close the damn... Close the door. Uh, he don't. Was well, he raised in a barn on Fifth Avenue? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Some of the things you say sometimes, Barry. All right, here's a new segment. Barry's dunks. All right, give me a topic. Give me a person. And I'll dunk. All right. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I tried to get some comprehensive health care going on. All right. But your shit was some corporate ass stuff stolen from Mitt Romney. Okay. And if you're going to steal something from Mitt Romney, steal his wife's horse. Dunk. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't what even know that? what that means, but it's funny because you said it. Yeah, I think he's referring to dressage, and um, Mrs. Mrs. Romney uh, does her. She does dressage, which is like the dancing horse thing. Uh, okay. Oh, that's right. Give me another one. We'll do two more. Let's do. Uh, let's do an uh, an a- an actor. Do a Star Wars related character, one of your choosing. Yeah, do um, gosh, do Anakin Skywalker. All right, Anakin Skywalker, more like Banakin Skywalker. That bitch didn't know shit about shit. Uh, he let Padme die. He let Palpatine lie. He let Leia cry. Darth Vader is an invader, and I'm gonna say I'm a hater. Dunk. That you just rhyme some words. <laughs> this all of those things this sucks so much. <laughs> and all the things you said actually happened. I think in one of the movies. I know that there was some crying and dying and yeah, invading. But it's like Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Oh, it's okay. Oh man. Okay. All right, Ben. You, give him one more, and then let's get. Let's no. Get okay. Um. I mean, should it be someone that no one knows? That doesn't make any sense. What are you yeah, talking no, about? No, no, that no, makes no, no sense. Like, what's like? What do people? What do people? I'm sorry. Yes, and watching? pick someone else. What are people watching these? Days? Um, what do people talk about? What are people watching? I, I don't know. The XFL is back. 
uh, Gabriel um, Zuckman, the economist from um, Berkeley, who's been working a lot. <laughs> what are you talking Say about? Oh, he's got a lot of articles written about him. I met the guy. He's cool. Um, one more. Give him one more. Uh, give me one more, Ben. Um, give me some. Oh, I, iced tea. Nice tea. Raspberry or fruit water iced tea. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to take Dr. Dre. <laughs> That's <laughs> not how this game so works. This sucks so much. Barry, you do. Oh, man. You, you got great intonation. Yeah. You have that, like, really encapsulating voice. But it's meaningless. It's it's terrible. I, yeah. I've got to tell you, like, I mean, you must know that, right? Yeah. You know, God, you sound like my daughters. And wow. My, and my wife. Wow. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. Oh, of course. That's the do. thing. Everyone's like, you're the, it's, it's the iron. It's the supreme irony of my, my legacy is uh, I care about the American people, uh, but I care most about what my wife and my kids think about me. That's, that's all that matters at the end yeah, of the day. That's true. Probably most people, people yeah, are people. So. so why should it be? No, I think so. I think you're right. Ben. How else should it be? So what, what was your point? Well, my point was this, that everyone, the irony is everyone thinks, you know, I'm cool. I'm the president with aviator sunglasses, you know, uh, hopping down the, 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 the tarmac to, to Air Force One. I'm the one that's good at basketball and rolling up my sleeves. I'm the one that admitted to smoking a joint. And everyone thinks I'm cool. But my kids and my wife think I'm a dork. So, Barry, I want to ask one other question about the, All right, last one. Last the, one. the primaries right now. So let's assume for a minute. So we've got between four and six candidates stay in through Super Tuesday. Uh-huh. So we've gotten a good like 35, 40% of the yep. delegates uh, allocated. Yep. Do you see the DNC being a brokered convention? And what's going to happen? Uh, well, and will you be there? I might have a cup of coffee. I'll be there as long as I was in the Senate. <laughs> so so you'll drop in on the first day, pick I'll, up the, I'll drop fill in. out the forms, and then never I'll, come back. I'll drop in and then and then run for president. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, do you see? I mean, this assumes that we have more than just two candidates by Super Tuesday, which I pretty, I mean, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. But when's a lot? Do you know a lot about the history? When was the last time there was a brokered convention? Uh, sure. Uh, there was, well, there was a brokered convention, I believe, in 1925, okay? Uh, and uh, it was it was uh, uh, John Davis, I think might have been the guy's name. Hmm. I don't know this for sure. Uh, but You're making this up. No, I'm not. Oh, oh okay. I'm, I'm a hell of smart. You just don't know smart. his name for sure. I'm very smart. <laughs> yeah, smart uh, people make shit I, up I all think it's time. John Davis. Okay. You, want, you can look it up. I don't know. And uh, it was a big deal uh, because he failed to... Um, he failed to uh, uh, make a, a statement. Yeah, look it up. He failed to make a statement against, um, I believe, segregation. And it was a wipeout. All right. Uh, it was the biggest Democratic wipeout, and I believe, uh, uh, probably in history. Uh, but the next broker convention, uh, I believe, was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And uh, who they teed him up as a, at a broker convention. Uh, and he ended up being probably the most successful Democratic president. You know, he, he was elected more times than any president. He, he his legacy uh, is felt to this day. All right, did you look it up? 
Yeah, there was. So I'm looking at a uh, brokered convention. There's a website called politicaldictionary.com. <laughs> Sounds um, like a hoot. <laughs> yeah. So in 1924, Democratic delegates took 103 ballots to select the little known candidate, John Davis. Oh, called it dunk. So Warren G. Harding, for example, was famously selected to be the Republican presidential candidate after a series of conclaves by party leaders. Uh-huh. So broker conventions, also called deliberative or contested conventions. When was the other one? Were the norm in the okay, United sorry. States until the second half of the 20th century. At that time, party bosses wielded enormous power and candidates were often chosen after hours of deal making in smoked filled rooms. Man, I want some of those more smoke filled rooms. So Warren dope. G. Harding, John Davis were the examples. The most recent broker convention was of ni- in nineteen fifty two, the Democratic Convention, where Adlai Stevenson emerged as the winner. Oh my man Adlai. In nineteen forty eight, the Republican Party chose our dude Thomas Dewey. Uh huh. The Dewey Decimal System. But Dewey defeats Trump. No <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Dunk uh, anyway, yeah. What, what about the? But was there one with FDR? Damn it! Was I wrong about that? I was wrong. I was right about that John Davis shit. Yeah. Um. Come on, look it up. Well, I'd have to look that up again. All right, uh, we'll we'll get back to it. They anyway. don't mention it here, but this is an this is a uh, this is not a complete history. Anyway, that, that, a that's a pretty story. pretty good breakdown. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I don't think it's a good idea. No. It really. Anytime the people think, I mean, that's the whole point. Of democracy, Ben. And I think y'all should close it out after this. <clears throat> the point is, uh, democracy is based on the idea that that somebody doesn't know better than you. Somebody mm-hmm. richer, somebody more powerful, somebody older, more experienced. They might have all those things, but they don't know better than you. Exactly. Uh, only you know what you believe. Even Bloomberg admitted that he's rich because he got lucky. Uh, it's like yeah. sometimes I think about it like with agriculture. Like if I take credit for all of the growth of a crop, it discounts all the stuff that happens when I'm not doing anything, which is all of the natural processes, the sunlight, uh-huh. the soil, all that. So when a, an incredibly rich or powerful person takes credit for everything and say, oh, I earned every last thing. It's like all this stuff happens that allows yep. you're still one person. You got 24 yep. hours in the day. You do your thing. People work hard all over the place. Teachers work some of the hardest. They don't get credit like in the same way for their student success later in life. So it's a bunch of freaking made up. It's just a holdover from the imperial kind of slave owning and dust that right. complex where somebody can say that oh i did all of these incredible things and so it's deserved that i have all of this and it's like no that's just not that's just not true and so yes if you can just have a small group be like oh you people don't know what you actually want we know what you want better than what you know what you want yeah. that's when people start losing faith in what we call democracy and it could be uh oh, it's gonna be an interesting one barry yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking you're just going to go in there because you do know better than most people. So you'll go in there and you'll tell them what's up, right? You'll I save. Mean, you'll save us. Please. I'm not Amy Mann. I'm not going to. Please. Look. Please save us. The thing about. Do, 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 do. <laughs> thing about America. No, the only thing we can do is save ourselves, man. I'm not going to save you. You know, uh, Ike Eisenhower didn't save anybody. No, no, no. Uh, JFK didn't. No, no, no. Save anybody. No, no, no. You got to save us, Barry. We need you. This is when we need you. I need you to step up to the plate, put you in coach. I'm putting you in. I'm the coach. I'm putting you in. You don't even have to say, put me in coach. You're ready to go. All right. You're ready, baby. All right. I I'm officially announcing my run 
for president oh, of the whoa, United whoa, whoa, States. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I meant, but that, <laughs> you want to do it again? I don't think, no, no, no. I don't think you Could you do, do that. it with zero dollars spent? You think just... I think so. I think you should try. You should actually run on the Republican ticket. Uh, yeah, is there anything... Does you have to be... Can you run... Well, they've already printed the ballots mainly, so that could be an issue. But you own a shirt. You have, you started your own production company. Print up a bunch of new ones. Yeah. yeah. Actually, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to get a must. I'm going to grow a mustache. Okay. And I'm going to come out and be like, my name is Larry Bobama. Okay. Larry is a good <laughs> name. People are going to like that. <laughs> and uh, Larry Bobama. And everyone will know that it's clear as fucking day that it's it's me but the democrats are are gonna want it okay because they know i'm cooler than everybody else with my respect to klobuchar and and, uh and joe bo and 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 bernard and uh and uh uh, aunt liz and pete butt cheeks i respect all them i am cooler than them now look donald He's going to want to run against Larry Obama too, because uh, let's face it. What, what turned Donald into a fucking racist madman was me. He had really high favorability ratings, uh, in the mid aughts, uh, with people of color when he was on, uh, on, uh, the, uh, what was that show? The amazing race, the amazing race war. Uh, and, um, uh, he had really good favorability ratings. Uh, but then when I was elected, the motherfucker went nuts, and uh, I think that that is uh, that is why uh, uh, he would run against me, mm. or I'm sorry, Larry Obama, uh, Banana Fana Fofama. <laughs> that's almost funny. Nice, I like <laughs> dunk, uh, and that's why he'll run against me. So uh, my name is uh, Larry Obama, Banana Fana Fofama, and I'm running for president. A junior tighter in the Republican ticket. On the uh, Republican ticket. Okay. Primary. So it'll be Bernie versus Barry. Or something. That's cool. Let's do it. Well, you heard it first, folks. Um, the, uh, uh, Barack, Mr. O- President Obama, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been my pleasure, Lee. It's always good to see you. I, yeah, thanks for uh, stopping by. Do you need a ride home or anything? Uh, yes, I do. I could bring out my bike after we uh, get right. done here. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit in the basket and I'll be your little lead tea. Mm-hmm. That is cute as fuck. All right, uh, um, Mr. President, thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. All right, well, uh, coming at you from Handsome Headquarters, I'm Lee Sanger Golden. You've been listening to me talk on the internet for Ben, for uh, Donald, for Larry Bobama, Banana Fana Fofama. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Au revoir.